Zechariah chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. He's talking about false prophets. Amen. I want to talk to us today about an open fountain, an open fountain. Lord Jesus, would you speak to us today and let your word have free course in this house. We know, God, that your word accomplishes what you send it out to do, and it prospers in the thing wherein you send it. And I pray today, God, that our hearts would be ready fields of good soil to receive your word so that the miraculous seed can bring forth fruit in Jesus' name. We give you glory and honor today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. I want to consider this fountain today that Zechariah prophesied would come to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And um, I don't know if you're aware or not, but our world is very sinful. I'll try that again. Our world is very sinful. There's a lot of uncleanness, a lot of godlessness, and uh, the Lord said, I'm going to open up a fountain. I'm going to open a fountain, literally a fountain, amen, not just a fountain or a well of water, but he was speaking, Zechariah was speaking prophetically about a fountain of blood. A fountain of blood was going to be opened because Water won't take away sin alone. Water alone will not deal with uncleanness. Water alone cannot deal with, amen, unclean spirits. But when you start talking about the blood of Jesus, then, amen, there's nothing that it can't cleanse and there's nothing that it can't defeat or hasn't defeated. And so he was prophetically speaking of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And this fountain is described by Jesus in Matthew 26, 28 as my blood of the New Testament, which is shed or flows for the remission of sins. Amen. So the blood of Jesus is a fountain today, and it didn't just open up and close. But when Jesus went up on the cross, amen, the fountain of his blood was opened up up and it still flows today amen it's described as a living fountain in revelation 7 17 amen a living fountain praise god this fountain that zachariah prophesied about would open up in jerusalem it would not just be a dripping of blood but a released fountain flowing with current as something being released from a source jesus didn't just 
drop a few drops of blood, amen, on the ground. But I'm telling you that when he was put up on that cross and uh, they began to pierce him, they began to put nails in him, they began to flog his back before the cross, uh, amen, that blood that began to flow out of him uh, was the opening up of the fountain that had been uh, held up or dammed up, if you will, for thousands of years. But, uh, amen, uh, what came forth that day was uh, uh, for the very first time a fountain that was able to cleanse from sin that was able to take care of uncleanness and that gave demonic powers amen their final blow it is imperative that we understand the necessity of the blood the power of the blood. Amen. I've been in church all my life and sung many songs about the blood, but I don't want it to ever become, amen, some sort of a, a rehearsed song that doesn't have impact or meaning for me. But every day that I wake up, I thank God for the blood because he said it's the blood that makes you nigh. It's the blood that gives you access to the presence of the Lord. Amen. We wouldn't even be sitting here today if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus because we were separated from him we could not get to him but the blood of Jesus amen gave us access and gives us access necessity of the blood it's essential it's the power of the blood not just a new testament concept but it was introduced in the old testament uh, amen in order to prepare them for the day that christ would come and the fountain would be open he introduced them to blood and the necessity of blood in the old testament I realize that blood is not the easiest thing to talk about. It makes some people queasy. It takes a special person to be a doctor or nurse, in my opinion. If you, if you were counting on me to suture you up while you're sitting there bleeding, you'd probably just go on out. I'm not called to do that. But I thank God for those who are. And I can, watch, I can watch other people have injuries. But when it's my blood, come on now. Blood. You know, there are churches and preachers and people that have omitted the blood from songs, the Bible, their vocabulary, because they think it's too graphic, it's too gruesome, it's too gory. I've got news for you. Take the blood out, and you might as well close those doors because we don't have a message. We don't have anything to offer. If you stop singing about the blood, you might as well start singing about being in bondage and living in sin because there is no deliverance without the blood. There is no way of escape without the blood. Amen. We're not taking the blood out of our message. We're not taking the blood out of our songs. We still know that it's the blood, amen, that redeems us. It's the blood that comes and frees us. It's the blood, amen, that has power, amen, over sin, disease, and sickness, and all the power of the enemy can't have a Bible. You can't have a Savior. You can't have a story without blood. Amen. Before sin existed, the antidote existed. Before there was a problem, there was a plan. Revelation 13, 8 says Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, before 
creation, before humanity, before the garden and before sin, Jesus was already existing at the beginning of time, amen, as the uh, substitute for sin, as the answer for a fallen mankind. This is introduced to us in Genesis chapter 2, and if you'll allow me, I just want to take a few minutes to lay a little foundation from the Old Testament and see that this was not some haphazard event, this Calvary, this bleeding of Jesus upon the cross, but it was an intentional plan, and then that was the fulfillment of the plan, but the Lord introduced us to it in uh, the beginning of the Bible because that's where sin began. Genesis chapter 2, the Lord commanded the man, saying, uh, verse 16, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eatest thereof, you shall surely die. God told Adam, he said, when you eat of that tree, if you eat of that tree, you will die. Some of you may say, well, I've read that, and he didn't die. No, he didn't die human, uh, a, a physical death. Eventually he did, and eventually all of us do because of that one choice. So it did happen, but the first death that took place was spiritual death, connection with God, because when we read on in, in chapter 3, verse 4, and the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. You see how he does? Be careful who you're listening to. If God said it, it will happen. And the devil is a liar. If you listen to him, you're going to die. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be like gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So their response to this disobedience and this sin was that they, would, they, they felt exposed. For the very first time, they realized that they were naked. They were, they were ashamed of themselves because of their decision. They were aware. They heard a voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Amen. God's uh, presence was walking and communing with them, and they had a relationship with God. But when they sinned, uh, there was an interruption in that relationship. That's what sin will do to us. It causes us to hide causes us to feel shame, causes us to want to go away from God's presence. Amen. And that is not God's will. He wants to have relationship with us. But they're hiding themselves. And verse 9 says, And the Lord called to Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Verse 21, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins, and he clothed them. So the point of this is they sinned, they felt shame, they hid themselves, they covered themselves with leaves. 
Kind of like clothing that's made today, really cheap, falls apart quick. They thought they were covered, but God says, oh, wait a minute. You've sinned. Those leaves aren't good enough. Those leaves are a temporary covering. Those leaves didn't cost anything. He said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. It doesn't spend a lot of time here, but the inference is here. That God looked at Adam and Eve and they were inadequately covered from their sin. And so God killed an animal and made them coats of skins and clothed them. What's the point? There's an introduction to a principle here that when sin happens in our lives, uh, something has to happen that causes bloodshed. It wasn't enough to just have leaves on. It wasn't enough to just have a little covering. Something had to die in order to cover sin. So the animals God had to kill for the very first time some of his creation in order to make them adequate coverings for their sin. And here we have the introduction of bloodshed to cover sin. That's powerful. We need to understand that. This was a type of Christ that he would have to die, shed his blood to cover our shame and bring us out of hiding. In Exodus God delivered Israel from bondage and slavery, amen, and uh, the taskmasters and the hopeless redundancy of Pharaoh's rule over them, amen. And after God had sent the nine plagues upon the land of Egypt, trying to soften Pharaoh's heart, and he refused, uh, you may be here today, amen, and you wanted to be free from a situation in your life, uh, amen, can I tell you, you're in the right place. I don't know if you're in this place and it seems like the harder you tried, the worse it gets. That's normal. The harder they tried to get away from Pharaoh, the, the harder they tried to get out of his grasp, the tighter he clutched. That's the way the devil works. He doesn't want to let us go. He doesn't want to let go of our lives. He does not want to relinquish control just like Pharaoh. But God had a plan that was bigger than Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 21, amen. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall not, excuse me, and ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, not a fountain, and strike the lintel of the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of the house until morning. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians when he seeth the blood on the lintel and on the two side posts. The Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever, and it shall come to pass when you shall come to the land that the Lord will give you according as he has promised that ye shall keep this service or continue this Passover. 
And it shall come to pass when your children shall say to you, What mean ye by this service? That you will say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Amen. When death which is the result of all sin, came upon Egypt, a type of the world, when they saw the blood of the Lamb, when the death angel saw the blood of the Lamb, amen, he passed over the house where the blood was applied. Amen. When, when the destroyer, the Bible calls him, when the, the angel of death passed over, amen, because he was being sent by God to go into the land of Egypt because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart, uh, amen, and his lack of willingness to give up the people of God. God said, I'm going to send a death angel, and the firstborn of every household is going to die, but I'm going to give you a plan that I'm going to look for, and if you'll do what I said, my presence is going to pass over. The death angel is going to come by, and he's not going to touch the houses with blood on them. The blood blocked the destroyer. I said the blood blocked the destroyer. Everything that had the blood on it lived. Every house without blood on the door, the firstborn died. There's more typology here that we need to understand that converts into New Testament understanding. Uh, uh, he said, don't ignore the fact that the blood was applied with the hyssop branch or tree branch. Uh, the hyssop was used for medicinal purposes, ceremonial cleansing from sin throughout Scripture. Soldiers used the hyssop branch to put vinegar to the mouth of Jesus on the cross. Why? Because it's used throughout Scripture to say to us, uh, when you see the hyssop branch and the blood, understand that there is a medicinal factor involved. The blood of Jesus was there, amen, and the, the hyssop was there, amen. And in the Old Testament, uh, the hyssop branch was used to apply the blood on the house and on the door. And, and this branch, amen, had medicinal use and purpose, uh, just like the blood of Jesus. Uh, when the blood of Jesus is available to us, uh, it's more than just sin uh, for giving power, but it's medicinal. Amen. The blood of Jesus can heal your sin. The blood of Jesus can heal your mind. The blood of Jesus can heal your psychosis. It can heal anything in your life because the blood has no limitation. The blood is pure blood, and he's applying it with medicinal purpose. Praise God. The blood and the hyssop branch together are used to heal and save. The cross and the blood bring salvation and healing to all who have it applied to them. Just as the blood on the post blocked the destroyer and freed them from Pharaoh in Egypt, the blood of Jesus, amen, blocks the destroyer and frees us from bondage. The blood blocks the plague of sin. Leviticus, Leviticus 17, 14, amen, says, For is, it is the life of the flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood. Therefore, whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. Amen. This is powerful. I know I'm, I'm reading a lot today, but I want, I want you to hear what the Word of God says. This is, this is not just a, 
a, a pluck a scripture out, a, a bread program. Uh, this is the scripture. This is the entire word of God. This is the message of the word. Amen. It started in Genesis and it goes throughout the entire word of God. Why? Because we've got to understand that this is a plan of God. This is not just a, a, a band-aid. This is the actual plan of the word of God. This is intentional. Hebrews 9:22 says and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin this is powerful because uh, Jesus didn't come and it was an option. Amen. He came and he shed his blood and he knew when he came what he was coming to do. He was not coming to just be a good person. He was not coming to just feed people of their inner hunger, but he was coming, amen, to shed his blood because he knew without the shedding of blood there would be no remission of sin. And Jesus was the only one who ever had spotless blood precious blood blood without sin blood without tainted sin amen from the fall of mankind yes he was human but oh he didn't get his blood from amen an earthly father that's why the holy ghost overshadowed mary and that which was conceived in her was of the holy ghost uh, amen he is the son of god and that means his blood was not just any old blood but his blood was pure blood his blood was sin remitting blood his blood was a restitution of all things back to its original design. <laughs> Hebrews 10, just a few more scriptures. Hebrews 10, 1 through 5, for the law having a shadow, we're talking about the Old Testament now, of good things to come and not the very image of things, uh, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the... Con make the comers there unto perfect. What he's saying there is the blood of animals was just a temporary introduction to, amen, what was coming down the road. Jesus in the Old Testament to deal with their sins because it was not yet time for him to come instituted what we understand as the tabernacle where animals were brought and sacrificed for sin and the blood was shed and it was carried through that tabernacle amen and it was brought into the holy place or the holy of holies where the presence of God was and so the blood had to answer for their sins but the blood of animals could not forgive sins. It can only appease the wrath of God. And it said here, by, year by year, once a year, the, the high priest would enter in on the day of atonement, uh, and atonement would be made for the sins of the people, and he would stand in the gap for the people. Amen. But there was a better thing coming. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats that, that they should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, talking about Jesus, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. Jesus' body was prepared for sacrifice. He came to this world as the only sacrifice for sin. He 
Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. In other words, he was not going to come in the New Testament giving them more tables of stone. He was not going to try to write it down for them to obey. He says, this new thing is going to be done on the inside of your heart. There's going to be something that I'm going to put inside of you that wants to serve me. There's going to be something written on your heart, written on your mind. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. I don't know about you, but it's getting exciting now. Because you could bring your animal, they could kill your animal, and sin could be atoned for a year, but, I, but, but they were never forgotten. They were just pushed ahead, pushed ahead, pushed ahead. But Jesus said, oh, wait a minute, something's about to change. I'm coming, and your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where the remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Jesus was saying, I'm coming, and I'm going to offer one offering. My blood is going to be sufficient to, amen, my crucifixion, my bloodshed, my fountain that I'm releasing is going to be so powerful that there's not going to be another animal need sacrificed. Because when I shed my blood and my blood's applied to you, amen, when it touches you, your sins are gone and they're gone forever, never to be remembered or brought up in your face again. What a God. Peter wrote, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or your previous life received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He was foreordained as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, but he just came on the scene and gave his life, amen, some seven, uh, 5,000 years after creation. We're redeemed by the precious blood, the rare blood, the only type. What was Jesus' blood type? <laughs> P-U-R-E. untainted by sin, not carried from a father of this world. Praise God. Amen. And I thank God for Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Amen. That says, Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. In other words, the Jews looked down on the Gentiles because they were not like them. But thank God he came to change that. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, uh, amen, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh because you came to church on Easter, because you got a good family name, because you got everything right, because you act right. 
talk right, walk right? No, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're only here today because the blood has made us nigh. That word means he drew us in and brought us close. He made us part of his family. He took away our sins and washed us by his blood. We're made nigh by the blood of the Lamb. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful today that I'm here by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. That makes me justified. Amen. It doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter what I think about you. Amen. Jesus' blood, amen, takes away our sin, takes away our shame, and brings us close. Aren't you thankful? Can we give God a praise offering today in the house, uh, thanking him for his blood? Lord, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for your blood, God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, that's, that's what we need to be is thankful for the blood. Thankful for the blood. There is only one blood that would be able to remit our sins, and that's the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful the blood calls for reconciliation. I'm so glad the blood, amen, doesn't leave me on the outside looking in. It calls for reinstatement. It calls for restoration. The blood has no boundary. I don't care who's here today. I don't care what you've done. You're not on the outside of the line that Jesus can't reach you with his blood. I don't care what you were doing yesterday. The blood of Jesus has drawn you into the house today. Amen. The blood of Jesus doesn't care because the blood of Jesus has the answer. It's a fountain. It's a fountain. Much of the Christian world today worships the cross. But I've got news for you. Thousands of people were crucified on crosses. It was a form of punishment, execution. It was the most painful, horrific death a person can die. They literally suffocate on their own blood bodily fluids as they hung there and pressed themselves up to grasp another breath and then they would slump back down only to begin to suffocate again and the pain and the torment, amen, was beyond imagination. But many people died on the cross, so it wasn't just the cross and it wasn't just the crucifixion that paid for our sins. Many people died on crosses because of their sin and their, their, uh, their horrific acts as People. It was extremely painful. It wasn't, it wasn't there to be a pleasant thing. It was meant to detour criminal activity. And the thing that separates Jesus' cross and the nails are the fact that his blood was shed. It was an instrument to, to, to drain the blood of Jesus, if I can say it that way. Jesus couldn't have just been stoned. Because the blood had to be shed. The life is in the blood, and the blood had to escape. That's why he was pierced so many times. His hands, his feet, his brow, his back. Why? He had to bleed. The blood had to be shed because it's the blood that brings salvation. It's the blood that brings healing. 
And without the shedding of blood, amen, the scripture we read, without the shedding, the releasing, the opening up of the fountain of blood, there is no remission of sins. Uh, the thing that makes forgiveness and restoration possible is the fact that Jesus laid down his life for us and his blood was shed. A fountain was opened up when he began to bleed. The devil hates what I'm talking about today because it's the blood that he hates. Because the blood undid his actual plan. Satan had a plan too to take down, amen, mankind because he ultimately wanted us to worship him. And when you think about it, before the blood of Jesus comes and, and corrects our, 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 our orientation, amen, we are, we are uh, sons of the devil. We're his offspring. But when the blood comes and touches us, uh, amen, the Lord restores us back to sonship. Uh, the Lord puts his name back on us through the blood. The Lord redeems us with his blood. Uh, amen. And the devil hates the blood of Jesus because it has destroyed his power undoing the curse of sin from the garden. Romans 6, 26 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's all made possible by the blood of Jesus, the fountain that Jesus opened up on that day on the cross. Uh, amen. Another thing Zechariah prophesied about the fountain and that it would do is cause unclean spirits to pass out of the land. Amen. Unclean spirits to pass out of the land. Not just cleanse of our sins and uncleanness, but spiritual opposition, spirits of oppression, spirits of addiction, spirits of depression, heaviness, poverty, fear, suicide, self-hatred, infirmity, disease, and the list goes on. These are spiritually motivated and grounded infirmities that need to be evicted, and I've got good news for you. Amen. You didn't come to the psychiatrist today. You didn't come to a couch to lay down on. You didn't come to the pharmacy to get a prescription filled. You came to the medicinal blood of Jesus, and because of the blood of Jesus, and because of the fountain that he opened up on the cross, he he said, unclean spirits have to go. Spirits of demonic oppression have to go. I don't know who's in the house today, but whatever is ailing you has to go. It is defeated by the blood of Jesus. No addiction, no infirmity, no, no nothing. Amen. No, no heaviness of mind, no spirit of depression, no spirit of oppression, no spirit that tries to, amen, weigh you down and cause you to think, Thoughts that are not healthy, amen, that is from the pits of hell. But Jesus is in the house, uh, the blood is in the house, uh, and Jesus paid it all, and the fountain was opened at the whipping post and on the cross for your freedom. It's a powerful revelation about the blood. It's not enough that it was shed, but it must be applied. He didn't say just kill a lamb. He said take a lamb and kill it. And then he said dip the hyssop branch in it and apply it to the posts of your house. The blood alone is not enough, but the blood applied is where the power comes from. That's where the power is released. That's where the power is identified is when it's applied to our lives. And I thank God that the Lord gave us an understanding of how to apply the blood. Amen. The soldiers who crucified Jesus, no doubt, had his blood on them, but it didn't save them. 
They were covered with his blood. They were covered with the splattering of his blood, with the fountain that was being released for people that would move in faith and say, I see the blood, amen, and I'm going to go and repent of my sins, and the Lord's going to restore me. The soldiers, though, they were not moving by faith. They were covered in blood, the blood of Jesus, the same sin-remitting blood, the same powerful blood, the same blood that would forgive and remove sin and release uh, unclean spirits. Uh, That blood didn't help them because they were not moving in faith. It was not being applied. Soldiers who crucified Jesus, no doubt, had his blood on them, but it didn't save them. It was not applied intentionally. It was not applied by faith. Just as the blood had to be applied to the door of the house in Exodus to block the destroyer. The blood has to be applied to us to block the destroyer. Is there anybody in the house that the destroyer was having his way in your life? Oh, all six of us. The destroyer's ruthless. He doesn't care about anything. Matter of fact, the more gory and the more hateful and the more damage he can do, the more destruction he can cause in a family, the more destruction he can cause in your mental capacity, the more destruction he can bring into your life. But I've got news for you. The blood stops him in his tracks. Uh, He can't penetrate the blood. He can't get inside your door. He can't come into your life. Uh, If the blood's applied, uh, amen, he sees the blood and he has to go on to the next house uh, because he can't get into your house. He can't wreak havoc in your house if the blood is applied. The blood is applied at baptism. The blood is applied in the water because the blood and the water are connected. We're buried with Him in baptism. The blood is applied. We rise to walk in newness of life as a new creature in Him. Amen. The power of God is in the blood. And if the cross is the focal point of the Word of God, the shed blood of Jesus Christ is the focal point of the cross. The cross, Calvary, Jesus coming and dying on the cross is the focal point of the Word of God. But the focal point of the cross is the blood. Because it would have just been a killing without the blood being shed. But because the blood was shed, amen, it had released the power of God to be applied to our lives. A fountain was open that day, and it's never stopped flowing. It's still saving. It's still healing. It's still forgiving. It's still erasing. It's still mending. It's still binding up. It's still restoring. It's still covering. It's still redeeming. And it's more powerful than Niagara Falls. And it's wider and reaches further than the Mississippi. It's just powerful. Amen. I I would like you to consider trying to dam up Niagara Falls. 
A fountain was opened at the cross that nothing can dam up. Nothing can stop it. Amen. You may not want to get in it, but it's available and it's flowing powerfully today in this house. Uh, But I would pray that somebody would see it for the first time or another time. Amen. This isn't a one-time thing. The Bible says that we daily need to come. Amen. And and be washed in the fountain. We need to daily be cleansed. uh, Amen. In our minds and in our spirit. Why? Because sin tries to cling on to us. uh, Tries to to affect us, but if we can get to the fountain, we can get to the blood, amen, there is remission of sin. Because of the blood. 